This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have the pleasure of having Matt Richter here, management consultant, motivational speaker, and knows a lot about a lot of things that we're going to talk about the ones that we want to talk about. To be clear, I'm not a motivational speaker. Uh, no one enjoys spending time with me. I think people will, and I'm about to. So <laughs> the couple of minutes we've had so far have been phenomenal. I hope it continues. I hope you develop a better life. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a new model for leadership, and hopefully we have a new model for building a relationship as well here. Done. Consider so it done. So let's, let's just pretend to be good friends for like 30 minutes. Deal. Awesome. So uh, we're going to talk a bit about today, you know, why people go to the gym, why people don't go to the gym, um, some of the the empirical, you know, research and, and behavioral understanding that you have as a from from an academic standpoint, but also from a life standpoint. So why don't you give people your background and we'll kind of just riff from there. Sure. So I'm a management consultant. I've been in the, the business for a little over 25 years now. Background is in French literature. Women's studies, Very, psychology, relevant. and education. Ish. And, uh, well, actually, I married a French woman, so it worked out well. So, okay. Excellent. But in that process, I spent a lot of years studying motivation and why people do what they do. I had the opportunity to study with two of the, the thought leaders in the field, uh, Edward D.C. and Richard Ryan, 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, have ascribed to their model called self-determination theory. Um, I find that it's a guide for me in how I live my life. It's also a guide for me in how I, I work with my clients and customers. Um, my business partner, Tiagi, and I also look at using a lot of these principles and how we design learning interventions and how we think about how people get trained, which applies both in the gym as well as in a classroom setting. We'll talk about the description of self-determination. So uh, the basic principle is that on one end of the continuum, you have intrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is your passion for doing something. It's, it's you do it because your overall well-being improves. It's something you see meaning in, purpose. You're good at it, or at least you feel like you can be good at it. You do it because you, you feel like you belong to people and, and places around it, right? On the other end, you have what's called amotivation. It's the complete opposite. You don't feel like you're good at it. You don't want to do it and you feel almost ostracized. And so you feel helpless or hopeless. In the middle, we have what's called extrinsic motivation. And in that bucket, you have four different types of motivation that can occur. You have on the far end, closest to a motivation, external motivation. This is carrot or stick. So are you willing to give me money to come and exercise? Uh, I'll reward you. If you give me rewards, I'll come. Okay. But what happens when those rewards go away? I stop coming. Okay. Right? The next one, according to so external. That's external motivation. And it's, then, and it's and it's it's a financial reward, let's say. Oh, it could for, it could be that. It could also be uh, the avoidance of punishment. Maybe you're gonna have David beat me up if I don't show up, right? So it could be an avoidance of punishment or something like that. And again, this works off of the continuum from DC and Ryan. So I urge you to go look at their work and you can put that, I'll give you stuff for the liner notes if you want. And then you have interjection. Interjection, I like, can I, can I say a bad word on here? Yeah, you're a lot of curse on here. So okay. It's so podcast, the, not just yours, everyone's. The author, Anne Lamott, called it the radio station in your head, K-fucked. It's that little voice in your head that's telling you, you gotta, you shoulda, you must. It's that sense you do it out of obligation. So I remember when I was, uh, my daughter was three, 
She came up to me one day and she said, Daddy, Daddy, and tears are coming down her face. And she said, you're going to die. And I'm like, what? And she said, you're fat and you're going to drop dead. You have to pexercise. She had trouble with it. Yeah, exactly. So she made me go out and buy a treadmill. And we went and we got the thing and we set it up. And she said, get on it. And she made me go on this stupid treadmill for an hour. And every day for a week, she would bring me to the treadmill, get me on it, and make me do it. Wow. And, and I did it because she would cry every time. I was going to make her a porphin, right? And so, all right, no problem. But the minute she finally got bored, that treadmill became a clothes hanger. Yep. Right? And that's the notion of doing it out of guilt. That's, that's that notion of doing it. So is it not a true story? This is totally a true story. Oh, okay. Every yeah, story right, I tell I is true. Yeah, I thought you were well, trying to the give ones me an I make example. Up. Yeah, okay, okay. So right. I got guilt. Right, so you have guilt. Then you have what's called identified and integrated. And I'm just going to combine those into the idea of seeing the value in doing it. So it's still extrinsic in the sense that you're telling me about the value, but I internalize that and I make it my own. Mm-hmm. And so I start exercising because it makes sense. It's a good idea. I understand that I'm going to have a shortened lifespan if I don't go to the gym and exercise. And what we see is if you do it because you see value or you do it because it's intrinsic, it's sustainable. If you do it because you feel guilty or obligated or you do it for the reward or the money or you do it because you're coerced in that amotivated state, it's not sustainable. It ends as soon as the, the, the reinforcer goes away. Mm. And so we really want to focus on how do we bring people toward seeing meaning in what they do. So there's a company out in uh, Chino Hills, California. It's called the Camp Transformation Center. And it's a boot camp uh, weight loss center. Yeah. And um, their their model is you go in, you sign up, you pay, I might have the numbers a little bit off, but you pay $800 and you pay for a six-week boot camp. Yeah. If you show up um, 20 times during that six-week period on the 20th um, workout that you do, there's a check for the money that you put down on the front desk. Wow. And they give you your money back. What's, tell me how they... Uh, Nobody oh, takes the money. They don't make it. Nobody takes the money. They, they make, make it, it. But they say, hey, look, you changed my life in six weeks. Uh, put this towards personal training. Put this towards... My membership. Put you know, this they could give nutrition. it to the charity of Matt Richter. Yeah, sure. The the Richter Fund. That's oh, I love that. Which would be that's it. Which would I'm trying <laughs> to figure out what bucket that would fall in. Probably. Oh, I'm all for rewards. Probably guilt. Probably guilt. Yeah, yeah. Guilt. But tell me, tell me what happens a year later in terms of their health behaviors. I think there is a percentage of them that actually buys a franchise and opens up their own because they That's became cool. an evangelist. That's cool. Um, and I would say probably like the rest of the industry, 70% of the people, yeah. you know, fall off the wagon and trying to get back on and, you know, so looking is, for something new. This is the same thing you'll see. And in, in fact, this seems like a, even a higher percentage of success than you, you see in other change behavior things, right? People, people try and change their behaviors for all different motivations, right? right? And so... We may all be in the same context, but David does it because he sees the value in it. You do it because your your wife is going to kill you if you don't. Fiance, fiance, there you yeah, go. Probably. And, and my wife is going to pay me off, right? And so, uh, and, and you won't see the same 
level of success based on what the causal factors are for why we're doing it. Right. So when when you wrote the book, maybe talk about the the leadership story and the counterintuitive sure. um, conclusions of that book. So uh, you like football? Yes. Okay. In football, there have been no professional football coaches who have won the Super Bowl, moved to another team, and won the Super Bowl again. Mm. Only two have made it back to the Super Bowl. Is that Bill Parcells? Parcells and Vermeil, Dick Vermeil. Dick Vermeil, yeah. Dick yeah, Vermeil, yeah. Right? Gotcha. And and you would think if these are great leaders, right? And if you're a football coach in, in the pros, you're probably a decent leader you would be able to transfer your knowledge and your skills and your capabilities to another team and do the same thing. But it doesn't happen that way because context shifts. You have totally different players, in other words, resources. You have mm-hmm. totally different uh, fields and owners and, and uh, people who come see the games and everything. Your competition shifts, the, the way people play changes. Mm-hmm. So all these different factors come into play. And that context completely changes the skills and competencies needed to be effective, right? And so my book really looked at the impact competence, I'm sorry, that uh, context has on how we lead. And so that's what I'm interested in. What are the effects of these external forces on how and why we lead? Got it. So would you say that if you took a leader, you know, let's say a Bill Parcells. Yeah. And you put him into a, another, on another team, he would have to potentially morph his skill set in order to be as successful. Or well, he they, certainly didn't do that with the Cowboys, you know, or the Jets. Oh, right, right. So, would you? So the so the point is that if you're a leader, you might be a great leader because all of the right things happened around yeah. you at the same time. Not necessarily yeah, exactly. you're like uh, Midas touch. Exactly. And if you took Franklin Roosevelt and you moved him to the Ronald Reagan era, I'm not sure FDR would have been as great a president. Mm-hmm. And if you took Lincoln and put him into our times today, it wouldn't have happened for him. Gotcha. Right? You have to really take into consideration the times and the circumstances. So how in your profession as a, as a consultant and to help get people to uh, work at the in, at a, the top of their performance level. How do you get them to understand all the exo factors? And- well, flippantly, I tell people, don't waste your time teaching people to be leaders. Okay. <laughs> right? Because it's a waste of time and money. Instead, and this is the serious answer, yep. focus on the behaviors you want people to uh, to exhibit today that's going to advance the business, whether it's strategic thinking, right, or being very good at managing the finances or risk management. Let's take the specific uh, skills, specific behaviors, apply them to the context of today, and I can teach that. I can teach those things based on the circumstances in the moment. Got it. So to digest that for a second, you're basically saying there, there's, a, there's a process and a best practices to specific tasks that need to happen in order for a company to be successful. Yep. And, and the leadership of that might be make sure you have the right people in the right boxes to actually affect what right. they need to do versus someone saying, oh, I'm the CEO of this company. Oh, and, and you want the bad news? Sure, go ahead. The bad news is it's pretty hard to predict, <laughs> right? So, Which keeps us all employed. So uh, Jeffrey Pfeffer, who's a professor at Stanford, mm-hmm. wrote a wonderful book. I highly recommend it. It's called Leadership BS. 
Okay. This is a great book, and this whole first chapter is how horrible leaders have been in business. And if you look at the level of fraud we've had, the mismanaged finances, how stock values for individual companies have dropped, how uh, companies have been sued for uh, all sorts of different reasons around uh, their people and so mm -hmm. forth, you're looking at a fairly small number of people who have been effective leaders. So it's pretty darn hard to predict who's going to be good in those roles. So again, the more we can say, here's our real problem today, how can I train a person to fix that problem? So almost being really tactical and less strategic, the leaders we, we, we have will show up when we need them. Someone will show up. Leaders, don't kill me, but they're born. And if we can give them some skills, mm -hmm. if we can give them some skills that everyone could use, then someday, in the right time, that person's going to stand up and, and hopefully she'll take us to a better place. Gotcha. So let's say you owned a, you were 100% owner of a fast-growing health club chain. Yeah. How would you think about staffing that business and how would you think about managing that business? Okay, so a couple things I'd, I'd first make sure. I have a business person managing finances, looking at costs, looking at risks. I'd have someone on legal looking at liability. So all the business stuff, get that taken care of. That's mm -hmm. the back end. Okay. I would have a salesperson who's up front making sure that you're pulling in people and getting them excited about either their health or the long-term process. But then I'd really look at the staff inside. How are people getting engaged with the staff on a day-to-day -day basis? So when I come into the gym, who's, be, who's my best friend now? Who's, who's standing there getting me excited to, to go through the circuit? Who's getting me to walk the track when I just want to go to the juice bar? Mm -hmm. And developing these relationships with the patrons, getting them to want to come in for the relationship aspect almost as much as the exercise part. How do you feel about name tags? Name tags? For, for the uh, for the people staff, exercising? For the, for, the, for the members, just in general. I've, I've, for the staff. The company. For the staff, I'm totally totally into it. But if I'm going to your, your gym, don't make me wear a name tag. Okay. Yeah, I'm already ashamed to be there to begin with. <laughs> I mean, look at me. I mean, I look like Charlie Brown grown up. You're I mean, gonna, is, you, you can look however you want. You have self-determination. No, I don't. I really oh, don't. don't. No, I'm totally, I'm totally So you're insecure. like an outlier I'm a, on this I'm a, I'm a totally, regression yeah. analysis. Yeah, yeah. yeah I I, I'm going to kick that right, football I eventually. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so, so I'm staffing this with, 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 with people that understand how to build relationships inside the club, and I'm basically saying I'm going to put experts on the outside but from a, a CEO position, does the CEO in, your, in, in our rudimentary example here come from somebody who's really good at building a team, someone who's really good at sales, someone who knows so the who, industry? So what size gym are we talking about? One I'm talking gym? about, let's say we got 50, One gym? 50, five zero, 50 then health I, clubs. I would put a guy in the CEO seat who's good at raising capital. Good answer. Put the capital guy in the, that seat. Make him the face or her the face of the business to to get that capital coming in on a regular basis. Get a good CFO in place to manage risk and costs, and make sure that that also capital's coming in from from the banks. And then you have a chief operating officer who's all about managing the people. I, I like the triumvirate. We're working on some right now, and that is going to exactly be the blueprint. That's what I wanted you to tell me. <laughs> All right. So good. How Thank much you. do I get? 
you get a 10 free personal training session, then you better show up. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm giving you a shirt with your name on it. Really? Yeah. It's I'll totally be, take a shirt with uh, my name on there it. There you go. I love my name. There we go. Given your 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 study of it and also just the intuitive nature of, of your learnings, right, experience yeah. in, in all different facets of management and companies and, and personal behavior, what's is is do you see is there a golden is there a silver bullet is there a golden lying like what what's oh, the man, answer this is if there so is complex one? yeah this is so complex that you can't you can't diagnose other people and what their motives are you can't you can't motivate other people people have to find what gets them going in in the environment and take advantage of it maybe mm-hmm. right there's no silver bullet but what we can do is we can try and put as many different factors around people, such as classes for what happens to your body if you don't exercise. Have nutritionists on staff who can help make meals easy and tasty mm-hmm. so that they can see the rewards. Have uh, trainers who aren't jerks and assholes who are yelling at you. I mean, very few people respond well to being yelled at, Mm -hmm. right? So can you have trainers who are actually cool and nice and making those long-term relationships that aren't like paid prostitutes, right? Right? You don't want the trainers to be someone I pay and who are only nice to me for the, the 30 minutes or 50 minutes, right? So how can we have authentic relationships? How can we have authentic touch points in the environment that are going to help me see value and purpose in, in engaging with the, the, the gym. So when you've seen different companies, have you, have you spent time like diagnosing marketing initiatives? Because what you're saying right now is interesting to bring it to our industry. And we talk about this a lot where um, a health club operator will say, well, I want to go after the deconditioned market and yeah. the weight loss industry. Well, if I do that, I've also got to go after, you know, the people that are fit that are at another club that I want to right. bring in. And I also want to get the women that are the soccer moms to come in. I also want the silver sneak. And it's like you become all things to all people that you're nothing to yeah. anybody. Well, I think I think one of the biggest mistakes is not realizing how gyms are perceived by non-gym people. Mm-hmm. So if you ask me, I'm a non-gym person. If you ask me what's what's the reputation of most gyms, it's a money trap. You're going to screw me over. Mm-hmm. You're going to get me to sign a contract, and then you're going to harass me for the rest of my life. And it's never going to work. I'm not going to lose weight. Matthew, I'm not it's a get very healthy. negative view on the industry. It is, right? Right? It is, yeah. I'm sure a lot of people believe that. It is, but it's not the way it is anymore, is it? No. It was 20 years ago. Exactly. But it's changed completely, but no one's told me that. Right? No one has changed that view for me. Taking you to a health club right after this podcast. <laughs> Wait, I would much rather go to Wolfgang's for a steak. <laughs> we'll go there after the workout. Really? You, you can't go there before. Well, we'll never get to the health club. I'll totally do that. <laughs> um, um, so, so you have, you know, if you're talking to me about marketing, you have a marketing problem, I think, based on just general image, right? Because you also have competition that you never had in before. Correct. Right? Peloton. You know, we we just bought a Peloton, nineteen hundred dollars. Treadmill that you're that actually. That's... I use the thing because I get to get sit on my iPad and watch old 
Magnum PI reruns. Oh, okay. I like Magnum PI. One Magnum PI episode, and I've done 44 minutes of exercise. Nice. All right. Right? And it's easy, and it's a computer, and it lets me race people that I know in California. So the gamification has worked for you. Gamification, there's some actual research issues around gamification, but I like competition, and, and for me, we are looking at some habit problems, mm-hmm. right? I need to get over the hump. Well, the, one of the best ways for someone who does not want to exercise is to use some kind of short-term reward strategy right. to get my body adapted so it doesn't hurt so much. Hmm. Interesting. My okay. body hurts when I move. Just walking from 10 blocks in New York hurts. Okay. So you got to get the pain to be less. That. Well, you got to get the pain in my body to hurt less than the endorphin rush. We had a workout recovery guy in here this morning so we can get you some Normatec uh, compression. Well, we can talk about the evidence-based problems with that, too, if yeah. you want. I'm going to drop a duffel bag off of stuff <laughs> in your house, wherever you're I just located. want that T-shirt with the Richter. <laughs> yeah. Can you put that down on my to-do list, please, on the Richter T-shirts? <laughs> We're going to walk into his, his show at his house with, like, a health club membership yeah. and, like, 10 Shake people wearing, the world. wearing Richter T-shirts. I'll be freaked out. Freaked out? Are you kidding me? I doubt it. Man, we're gonna go right next to my cheap trick shirt. We're gonna bring you to the health club. Go next to my cheap trick shirts. Then we're gonna go eat uh, salmon at Wolfgang's. No, 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 just kidding. No, that's just just mean. Yeah, that (laughs) is just cruel. That is mean. That is just not gonna happen. So, so taking it back to where we just were, when it talk, so let's talk about motivation. And you seem to be one that doesn't love to exercise yet. No. So, what do you think? What percentage of the population do you think you represent right now? Well, I'm totally guessing. I have no, this is. This I don't know the answer. I'm yeah, just I'm making asking. this up. Make so it I'm up. just making it up. I, I would up. say given how fat most of the people I see in the U.S. are, probably 80%. Wow. Okay, so if you are the spokesperson for 80% of the population. Yeah. How do you feel right now? Are you nervous? Because that's a big. No, I'm a. I'm a you're not tall, nervous at all. Tall, I'm a cocky son of a bitch. Man. Are you kidding yeah, me? You represent eighty percent of the fucking people right the now. Door. Eighty <laughs> percent of the people, and you are the spokesperson. What would it take you? Like, Wait, hold what, on. What, I'm just imagining how cool that would be. W- <laughs> man, you'd be <laughs> just, like, I love that. Bigger than the president. So I don't know about if, that. Yeah, if I mean, you, I, mean, so, I, mean, I don't eat. I don't eat McDonald's. So if 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 so, what what works for you? What what do you think? What, out of these different marketing shticks or educational tools, like what, after everything you know, what is the one thing? It's not like- Make it fun. Just make it fun. Make it fun again. That's it. Yeah. I think it's that simple. I, that's, I what think, I, that's why you're representing 80% of people. That's what I, I think if to you hear. made it so, so this was something we could do on a Friday night. Yeah. Why did everyone go dancing? Because it was fun. And why are a few people going biking all the time and going for walks? And when did we stop having exercise fun? Before the show started, we talked about how as kids, we just went out and played. And it was exercise. Yeah. Well, I used to, uh, did you see that uh, that Seinfeld, Seinfeld being Seinfeld? Yeah. We talked about um, your mom, she wouldn't ask where you were. You you just had to be home by by sunset and- and don't you dare come back before. Right. Right. If you did, you better be hurt. <laughs> yeah, right. Be hurt. You better be bleeding. Yeah. Right? And when you got hurt, it wasn't, you know, my sister takes my nephew to like the ER if he has oh, like his my mother, my mother, scratch. I remember my mother, my sister was bleeding. Yeah. She was spinning and she fell into the wall and she was bleeding all over the rug. And my mother didn't think about my sister. She was worried about the rug. Right, exactly. You know? Such a different totally mindset. different time. Yeah. Well, yeah. When, anyway, so 
it, it has to be fun. I think what happened was health club operators, fitness studio operators started to overthink what brings people in. Right. And I think the weight loss industry has always, when you talk about, you know, whether it's like Nutrisystem or Weight Watchers, they always were focused on here's the results that you're going to get. Right. It's not going to be fun. We're not trying to sell you fun. We're just trying to right. sell you like an actual. So I, I have a hypothesis. Go. Okay. This is not a theory. It's not even merited by anything in science. This is just my, I would love to test this. Go. I'm I in. think too many gyms are focused on goals. I think too many gyms are trying to set targets for weight loss and for health and all that stuff. That's a mistake because what it's doing is driving people toward failure. And when I don't make it, I don't feel good about myself. When I fail to hit the target or the goal in a short amount of time, then this is just not fun at all, right? And so we're set up to lose, right? And only a few people make it. Mm -hmm. So my theory is make it a party. Make it about have an exercise uh, about playing games. You know, people go play tennis not to lose weight. They go play tennis because it's fun. Yep. Right? No one does. I agree. Rack we're, up. We're, we're invested in this company called Switch Playground. So every two minutes you switch to a different. Oh, I'd love to. See, that I would that do. That would you do? I would totally do that. All right, 7.15 tomorrow. You live in New York or not? No, live up in Albany. Let's do it next time you come down. I would love that. All right, cool. I would totally do that. Good. So that's the answer. Fun is the answer. I think so, yeah. Got it. But but I should point out I hate fun in my my work. I don't believe in fun. So what are some of the quotes as we uh, as we close down our first podcast of five? Quotes? With you over the next uh, several months. Quotes? Yeah, quote. Like any any kind of leadership or non-leadership quote or behavioral or motivational quote that from you- From someone else or from me? From you. From me? The ones you like. We're, we're, we're building a quote library here of things I that- always like the Einstein quote, which, by the way, is not Einstein. He, he said something way more complex than this, but I, I, Einstein is attributed with this. Things should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. And I love that. I love that because we oversimplify too much. Things are more complex. And exercise, motivation, getting me to come to the gym, these are more complex than just setting some targets. It's mm -hmm. more complex than, than having a good marketing strategy. It's more complex than having the right people managing different leadership aspects of the business. It's complex, and we should recognize that and appreciate it. So things should be as simple as possible, but no simpler. I like it. I like it. On that note, let's end our first podcast. It's been a pleasure, like Mr. Richter. Thank I'll you, I'll see you Pete. in Switch Playground and then yeah. Wolfgang's in the Pescatorian section. No. All right, no, the, we'll get yeah. you some protein. Yeah, I need the meat. Porsche control, <laughs> and then we'll get back on it. I want a porterhouse. There you go. All Thanks right, for friend. being on. This has been great. It's a pleasure. Appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Awesome.